Hey guys, I am David. I haven't met all of you, but uh, I work with some of the senior boys and um, it is my absolute pleasure to be here with you guys, uh, continuing the conversation about the upper room uh, that we have been talking now for several weeks about. Um, and it's a real important story. It's a real important place. It's a real important time, uh, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. I just, before I get started, I wanted to kind of challenge you a little bit. And this is actually something the Holy Spirit just put on my heart. And Kevin may never ask me to come back again because of it. But I want to ask you guys before we get started a question. And this is a rhetorical question. I don't want you answering out loud. I don't want you, it's okay. I want you to be honest with yourself. And this is very simple. Why do you come to Crave? I want you to think about that. And if you say, I just come to Crave because of a guy or a girl, it's awesome. Welcome. If you say, well, my parents make me, think about that. But I know a lot of you, when I just said, why do you come to Crave, you probably thought, because I want to get closer to Jesus. I really want my walk with God to be the most important part of my life. And I would also ask you to think about why do these adult leaders, these volunteers come to Crave. Some of them, yeah, some of us. I started when my daughter was a freshman, and I was like, well, what else am I going to do on a Sunday afternoon? She's going, I'll go too. She can't drive yet. But that's not why I'm still here now eight, nine years later. But I would ask you, why, why are they here? And as you get to know them, you'll find out that many times we are here because we don't want you guys to make the same mistakes that we did. I know for me, I was in youth group, I went to church, I went to a Christian university. But then afterwards, well now I was on my own, and I got to start making my own decisions, and they weren't all really, really good. And so now, I love pouring into other people and saying, I know what you think you're doing, but just don't. So I would ask you to think about that, why do you come to Crave? And I would tell you if you said, hey, I want to walk with Jesus but you don't ever pull out your Bible, I'd question you on it. If you say, I want to get closer to God, but you don't even pick up an outline in the back and take notes, I'd say, are you sure? If you say, I want that relationship with God to be the most important thing in my life, but then in small group, you never share, you never challenge your small group leader, I would say, are you sure? So just take this opportunity that you're given with Crave. And even tonight, small group leaders, I would encourage you, yeah, hit some of the questions that we have for you, but just start out and say, what'd you hear tonight? What, what stood out to you in the message that you never thought about? And if you don't want to share, that's fine. But if you started out a minute ago saying, hey, I want, I come to Crave because I want to get closer to God, you're probably going to be the person that, that, that shares. And I'm sorry if that hits you upside the head. Oh, I don't take an outline. That doesn't mean I'm not a good Christian. You're right. It doesn't. But if you're really striving, if you're really trying to get closer to God and have him as the most important thing in your life, I'm just saying some of you may act in here a little different. What are we doing tonight? The upper room, continuing the conversation. You guys remember what we've learned so far, right? This is the time right before 
Jesus is betrayed right before he is killed. There's a lot of really important things that are happening in this room. Can you guys name some of them? Can you remember some of the things that were happening during this time in the upper room? Some of the things they did, some of the things they said? Washing the disciples' feet? Huge, huge moment, right? And I'll tell you, I learned something when uh, Kevin talked about that. I never thought about Judas was there at this time. That he washed Judas's feet knowing that later that night what was going to happen. What else? Anything else happened in the upper room? Lord's Supper. That was weird, right? The wine, the blood, the bread, the body, that's weird. But that happened. It's not only important what happened, but it's also important when all of this happened. And this was, excuse me, the night before Jesus was betrayed and before he was put on trial and then eventually crucified. So that's what we're talking about tonight is I want you to think about that moment, sort of think about the timing of that and the importance maybe of what Jesus is saying right now, right before all of that happens. You know, I'm not the same person that I used to be. I'm not. Neither are y'all. When I was your age, I'll be honest with you, I used to sneak out of the house to go to parties. Now, I sneak out of parties to go to my house. It's just, it's full circle. It's what we adults do, right? But now I give advice to my kids. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm always thinking, but they're also 20, almost 21 and 23. My teaching is kind of over. But still, they come over to the house and they say, hey, Dad, I got an interview today. I give them one more minute of little attaboy, right? I still got something left in me that I can, that I can share with them. And that timing of how we give advice is, is kind of important, and that is what we are looking at tonight. Jesus was in the upper room. He's kind of got his final words to say. And I would ask you, what would Jesus say to you? If you were in that final room, think real hard. Would he say, good job, keep going? Or would he say, Hey, quit looking at porn. What are you doing? We tell you to quit gossiping. Jesus had a chance to talk with you right before he was not going to ever see you again. Would he tell you to quit creating so much drama? Quit worrying about what other people think? I don't know what your struggles are, but I think some of you, he would say, good job, keep going, keep doing it. But someone like me, he'd probably say, would you quit being so angry? Maybe he would tell you to quit worrying. And that is a little bit of part of what he was talking about tonight as we go through it. John 6, 16 through 33 is the passage that we're going to be talking about. Um, as I said, it uh, uh, was right before he was killed. And so there was a lot that was going on up in that room. But we want to talk about, let's look at the early part of these verses. Verses 16, if we can pull those up. In a, excuse me, in a little while, you won't see me any, anymore, but a little while after that, you will see me again. Some of the disciples asked each other, what does he mean when he says, in a little while, you won't see me, but then you will see me, and I am going to the Father. And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. Jesus wanted to ask him about it. What does he mean by that? Does anybody know what he's talking about? In a little while, you won't see me. A little while after that, you'll see me again. 
Anybody? He's coming back, right? So the first part, you won't see me for a little while. What is that? A couple of days? He's in the grave, right? That's some weird stuff, right? That's some weird stuff. But then a little bit longer after that, you will see me again. And this is what he is talking about. Guys, it's interesting how we can look at things in life very different based on who we are, based on where we've come from, based on what we have gone through. And I just want to ask you a question. We put this next word up on the screen here. Consistent. Show of hands. You don't have to give me a definition. But who would say they know what the word consistent means? Everybody? It's okay, you can't give me a definition, but you know what it means, right? We all, we all agree, we know what this word means. So, I realize not all of you can drive, so it may not be the best example. But if I were to ask you to get out on 85, go from Greenville to Atlanta, barring traffic, barring construction, barring a lot of cars, but I asked you to go out there and drive a consistent speed, I'm wondering... Which of these two categories did you think of when I said, hey, go out on 85 and drive a consistent speed? Would you drive the same speed the whole way? Or would you drive the speed limit? And maybe, you may be five minutes, five, five minutes, five miles under, you may be five miles over, but you're going to stick to a number based on the speed limit, that would be B. So show of hands, when you hear me say, get out on 85 and drive a consistent speed to Atlanta, who is thinking, A, drive the same speed limit the whole way? Who's thinking, B, they're going to drive the speed limit, but they may vary a little bit based on the speed limit going up and down? Third choice, anybody else come up with thought of something else I didn't give you? Let someone else drive. Let someone else drive? This guy's crazy. What's he asking me to drive a consistent speed for? But guys, I don't understand. I just thought a second ago we all said that we knew what the word consistent meant. But then when I asked you to put it into practice, some of you said it's A, some of you said it's B. Are either of you wrong? Well, yeah, the other person's always wrong, right? First thing about driving, the other person's always wrong. But no, other, no one's wrong, right? But we just showed that we disagreed on even what the meaning of the word is. So as we go back now to the verse, and I've got to, let me look up here. And we keep reading. We'll pick it up there when it said, when it says, uh, but a little while after that, you will see me again. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief suddenly will turn to wonderful joy. The first, if you've got the outline, the first uh, quote there, the first blanks, is that the world looked at the death of Jesus with joy while his followers were filled with grief. How can two sets of people look at an event completely different? How can that happen? It's the same event. He was crucified. These people were happy. These people were sad. Then after the resurrection, what happened? Whoop. Now the disciples rejoiced, and now the world was not too happy about it, right? And to this day, you could say that remains the same. 
So after the resurrection, the, the roles were reversed. You may say, how in the world can two people look at something so different? What does affect that, right? Let me show you this next slide. I mean, whatever's happening in this picture, one little guy is loving it, and one little guy is just giving them all to pieces. Am I right? They're side by side. Somehow they are reacting to the same thing, probably looking at it from completely different lenses. Does anybody know what happens when you put an egg in boiling water? What happens to the egg? Hardens. Anybody know what happened when you put a carrot in boiling water? Softens. Wait a minute, did we change the boiling water? You put an egg in, and by the way, when I was a kid, right, I didn't understand. Obviously, I'm not a scientist today, I'm not a doctor. But I remember thinking, wait a minute, Mom, you want me to put the carrots to soften them in the same water that we harden the egg? It didn't make any sense to me, right? I didn't understand how that worked. What happens when you get soup or lasagna and you, oh, it's so hot, you cut all the way through? What do you do to that spoon or that fork full of your favorite? It's too hot. What do you do? Right? You blow on it. Blow on it. It's hot. What do you do if you go outside, you don't have gloves, and your hands are freezing cold? Right? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Guys, how can your breath cool down the soup but warm up your hands? How can that boiling water soften the carrots but harden the, the egg? It's pretty simple, right? We kind of like, oh my goodness, that's crazy. Well, no, it's not crazy because what matters? It's not the water. It's not the breath. It's what is being blown on. That is what matters. And that's you. So, yeah, you may react to suffering very different than somebody else. You may react to trials very different than someone else. You may react to Jesus' death and resurrection different than somebody else. But you know what? It's because of what is in your heart. And that's what Jesus was trying to get them to see. Quit worrying about the little things. But the same way that water can have a very different effect on those two objects, trials, suffering, can have a different effect on you. And if you're not solid in your relationship with God, tough times come. And I'm telling you, you can ask the adults in this room, and I've seen it happen to some very good people. They totally lose the sight of the cross. And they went through the same tribulation that somebody else went through, but they weren't really a Christian. They didn't really have their heart where they needed it to be. Also, sometimes we don't see the whole picture. So the other thing that happens with these trials, these, you know, whatever, we're looking at something. Sometimes the tr truth is we just don't see the whole picture. And you want me to sit here and tell you, hey, here's how you handle this? I can't. All I can tell you is we're still commanded to obey. 
I want to spend the last few minutes here and talk a little bit about the significance of the last thing that somebody says to you. I think one of the greatest illustrations of this is a few minutes in Elf. When Elf is getting ready to go to New York City and Santa Claus has some instructions for him. And after that, we're going to talk to one of our Crave seniors. So let's pull up that video and Autumn, you can come on up. Leon says New York is pretty different. No, don't pay attention to Leon. He's never been anywhere. He doesn't have any feet. I've been to New York thousands of times. Really? What's it like? Well, there are some things you should know. First off, you see gum on the street, leave it there. It's not free candy. Oh. Second, there are like 30 raised pizzas. They all claim to be the original, but the real one's on 11th. And if you see a sign that says Peep Show, that doesn't mean that they're letting you look at presents before Christmas. Can't wait to see my dad. We've, we've all seen this movie. The point is, Buddy is about ready to go off on a trip, and what did Santa Claus feel like he needed to do? Give him some advice. Alright, been with you for however many years, Buddy, but I, right, now you're going to New York, I got a few more things. Think about if you were getting ready to go away somewhere. What would, or, or better yet, say your parents are going away for the weekend. What, kind, what would they tell you, Right? Right before they go away, they have raised you, they have taught you everything you need to know, but right before they go away, they're still going to throw in a few last things, right? They're going to give you emergency information. You don't forget to call the neighbors, right? They're going to, you know everything, but they still want to, there's a few points that they want to hit. And I'm fascinated by those final views, final points. Athletes, they get coached. And I love watching a football game when just before a player goes into the game, what does the coach do? Grabs him by the mask. We don't know what he says. Says something to him. Shoves him out in the field. Now, that's not the first time that that player had heard from that coach, right? That was just the last bit of advice. Don't lose 24, right? Whatever it is, there's some advice and then shoves him out there. Do you guys know Autumn? Let's give a big round of applause for Autumn. You're a senior, right? Yes. Autumn, where do you go to school? Southside Christian. And y'all's most famous alumnus? You. Very good. Good answer, Autumn. <laughs> Class of 86. They didn't even know we used to have a building. People all the time say, why is it called Southside? Because it used to be on Augusta Road, the south side of town. So, um, Autumn, tell me about any sports you play. I play volleyball, basketball, and track. Awesome. I heard you guys are pretty good in volleyball. Yes, we just won state a couple weeks ago. Let's go. Let's have it. <laughs> and that's, I, I can only imagine how exciting that must be. Uh, my youngest daughter, she's now in college, but when she was in seventh grade, her tennis team at Travelers Rest High School won the state championship. She didn't, she wasn't a part of it at all, but she was on the team and it was so exciting. I can't imagine what you guys went through. So y'all are good. How many, have, this is not the first state championship y'all have won, correct? No, we won last year too. Yeah. There you go. Autumn, tell me a little bit about before you guys go out onto the court. So sort of the week before in practice, then maybe right before the game when is there some kind of coach. Just kind of talk to me about the not practicing but the talking part, sort of the things that your coach prepares you for. Yeah, so um, usually 
we have like a team huddle before we go on the court and she just talks to us mainly remember to talk to each other because I don't think y'all really hear us talking like in volleyball and stuff but volleyball is like half communication like if you don't know where other people are on the court or um, um, what you're doing then it's really hard to be a successful volleyball team but I think you want us to talk a little me a little a little bit about like individually so what yeah so so says, sometimes you come off the court right mm -hmm. and you're going back and it's just you yeah. does the coach right give you any more advice yeah, yeah yeah so right before we're out to seven so I'm the setter. Does anyone not know what a setter is? Kevin doesn't know. Kevin, you know what a setter is. <laughs> so the setter, we don't hit. We just like kind of like give the ball um, to the hitter for them to like complete the point. So she usually tells me like right before I'm about to go in um, who has like the best hitting percentage for that game. So she, my um, volleyball coach is really into stats. So she'll look at the stats like during timeouts and stuff and see who has the best hitting percentage, um, who should I set, and also tells me things on the other side of the court, like um, like if there's holes in the, that sounds really weird to you guys, but if there's like certain places on the court that no one is um, covering on the other side, and like you kind of said earlier, um, she usually tells us um, things that we can't necessarily see because we're so focused on playing our own game on our side of the court. So she usually tells us like what's happening on the other side, what we need to do. That's awesome. Let's give it up for Autumn. Thank you very much. I love that. So it's encouragement. It's, hey, I'm seeing something you're not seeing. Let me, let me tell you about it. It's reminding her of probably something the coach has said a hundred times, right? That is what is happening right before a coach sends you out into battle. Let's look at the, uh, the last verse in John 16. John 16, 33. I have told you all this. So Jesus has been up there with his buddies, with the disciples. But he's preparing for something. It's not just hanging out, right? It's not just playing games. Preparing for something. Jesus has kind of prepared him for everything that he can prepare him for. So he says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Was that a misprint? Did he mean here on earth, you may have many trials and sorrows? Guys, Jesus is just telling you literally in the last thing, right before he goes away, hey, you're going to have trials, you're going to have sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. The last thing that Jesus told him, because after this, he's betrayed He's tried, he's crucified. Jesus knew it, by the way. He wasn't surprised. So this verse, this was the last thing that he was telling them. And that has got significance. Think about you're getting ready to go away or your parents are going away. Think about the last things they tell you. They're done, right? They've been your parent for a long time, but hey, don't forget. Think about the coach. She's done everything she can do. Hey, don't forget, that last piece of advice, I think we ought to pay attention to. And in this case, he was focusing on they could have peace in him, be prepared because you will have trials and sorrows, but don't lose hope. He has overcome the world. Guys, if that doesn't give you hope, I don't know what does. 
one of the most encouraging verses in the Bible literally happens right before Jesus is betrayed and killed. Think about how we as humans think about peace. Right? Rest in peace. Peace out. Right? Miscongeniality, world peace. Right? That's what we are thinking about when we think of, of peace. How do people go about getting peace in the world? A lot of times drugs, alcohol. Hey guys, I'm not trying, I'm in no way knocking yoga. But the reason a lot of people do yoga is because, oh, they find this inner peace. There's nothing wrong with Christians doing yoga. But if you think I'm doing it so I can find this peace that I can't find in Jesus, listen, yoga is great for you physically, mentally. But people are doing it because they are searching they want this peace that they don't really know how to find anywhere else. You may find it on social media. Guys, that's not the peace that we're talking about here. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Colossians 3. We're going to look at Colossians 3.15. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. I love that, always be thankful. It, it, it's... I love how throughout the Bible, all of a sudden, just sort of out of nowhere, it's, hey, be thankful. And we're not talking about that today, but it is very important. You want to find peace? Be thankful. As we come into this time of Thanksgiving, it's, it's amazing how much it's there. But look at near the beginning, this peace that comes from Christ, rule in your hearts. This is actually, rule is the same word that is used for like a referee or an umpire. Where there is conflict or motives and desires, the peace of Christ actually steps in and decides which is to, to prevail. It is not a passive feeling. So if you're thinking of peace like a lot of people do, I'm, you know, oh, I've got so much going on here, let me go do drugs, I'll find peace. That's not peace. That's not peace. This peace that God is saying, trust in me, this actually will rule your hearts. And then finally, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. You've all seen this verse before, or two verses. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts. Again, there's an action there. It rules, it guards but guys, he's telling you right here, you can't even understand this peace. We can't even comprehend it. But it is a peace that comes from Jesus, and he's talking about it right before he is sent off to die. And the last thing I'll tell you, this is the... You learn and grow much more in your trials and struggles than you do in your successes. Jesus wanted you to know, wanted his buddies, his disciples to know, right before he died, you're going to have trials, you're going to have sorrows, but you can have peace in me, peace that rules everything, and that I have overcome the world. So guys, you're going through a lot. You're going to continue to go through a lot. Man, jump on John 16:33. What an encouraging verse. And this whole concept of Jesus overcoming the world, if that doesn't give you peace, then I would tell you you're looking for it in the wrong places. 
They're going to sing a song called Overcome, and it's this concept of Jesus overcoming the world. And I would just ask you, if you want to stand up and sing, please do. If you want to stay seated, I would just ask you, hey, if you're going through some trials and sorrows right now, pray. Lean on God. Lean on Jesus because he has overcome the world.